Welcome to the Cinema Men Podcast. I'm your host, John Murphy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Hurdle. Hello, everybody, and hello, John. Uh, I have a special announcement to make. Um, we are getting very close to the Halloween season. It's almost October, and we are doing a spooky movie tonight, and I'm very excited to cover it. Um, John is also very excited, as I'm sure you can tell, yes. And uh, to commemorate this wonderful occasion, uh, John, who has recently purchased a new vehicle, uh, which he's very proud of and I haven't seen yet, uh, is going to pick me up and drive me to his house where we're going to do the podcast together in person. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, we typically do this over the Internet, but uh, you're going to get to hear us together for the first time uh, in person. So that's very exciting, mm -hmm. I'm sure. I can, mm -hmm. I can hear all the listeners uh, salivating at uh, how amazing this is going to be. It's palpable. Uh, palpable. Very palpable. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're looking forward to that. Uh, John is on his way now. Uh, in fact, he ought to be getting pretty close to the house. John, where, where are you right now? I think I'm, I'm pretty close. I'm, I'm rounding the bend. All right. As they say. Going on round the bend. I'm going on round the bend. Yeah. All right. I think I'm in at your driveway. What? Right? Okay. Is a yep. That's the doorbell. Okay. Uh, so join me, if you will, dear listeners, as we go on this adventure together. Hey, it's John. There he is. There he is. Hey, hey. how's it going? It's good. It's good to see you, man. It's good to see you in person instead of over a, a web camera. Yeah. Stupid I, internet. Uh, I can't wait to get this show on the road, uh, literally. So uh, let's do it. Yeah. So don't get too to get star. Don't get too excited. But here you go. This is Jezebel. What? Where? Right, right there in the driveway. There she is. Right there. Is it behind that old terrible-looking jalopy in my driveway? Hey, she's not what? a jalopy, okay? That that's it. How, how much did you pay for that thing? Like ten thousand dollars. It's fine. Okay, she, she's awesome. Just if, wait. If, wait. If you if you say so. All right. Wait till you get in there and and take her for a ride. You, you'll, right. you'll find out. Hopefully the door doesn't fall off when I open it. Mm. Okay. That's good. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Hey, we yeah, where's the, where's the seatbelt? We don't need seatbelts. Seatbelts are for weenies. Um, that is not true, particularly to you children at home. But uh, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to roll with it. So okay. You don't need seatbelts. I'm a safe driver. You know that. Here we go. John. John. You don't have to do 45 in reverse. If you're not first, you're last. That's what I've always been told. Lord, okay. Um, Here we go. We got to get so, the podcast going. Here we go. So, hey, what's in the glove box? I'm going to check this out. Stop touching stuff. Don't touch the glove box. You don't need I to be in there. To see what was in it. I thought maybe you'd have some Sharknado Blu-rays. No, there's nothing in there. You need to okay. focus on the road ahead. Don't look over there. Look oh, straight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna look down. Stop my touching the. Oh, sorry. 
What are you Man, doing? I'm sorry, it's really dark out here. Um, is there a light? See the light? Let me see if I can. How's the lights don't work? work? You don't need. Oh. Stop. All right, well, here we here, go. Here, I'll play some tunes. No, 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 no. What was on there was fine. Beach Boys, like... fine. Good vibrations. That's all you really? need. 50s yeah. music? Yeah. Man. It's fine. Okay. I think, I think my butt's wet. Was there something in the seat? <laughs> what are you doing? Stop. Oh, you're such all a right. waste of space. Hey, could you maybe, maybe slow it down a little bit? Um, you, going, you're all fast. out to get me. No, this no, is I'm, 120 you, is fine. John, are you you seem no, different. I am the same I've always been. You're the one that's messing stuff up. You keep fiddling with stuff and you keep talking bad about my car. I, okay. I'll, Were you the one that pooped on my dashboard earlier? What? Uh, what? I bet it was you, wasn't no. it? You pooped on my dashboard. No. Have you ever seen this car before? Okay. Oh, Jennifer. It sure smelled like your poop. But anyway, what? here we go. Okay. Um, I think we're almost there. Yeah, Just we're, we're coming, up to some, coming up to some woods here. So maybe maybe yeah. ease off. I don't want to do the podcast in the top of a tree and dead. You know what I'm saying? Okay, listen. I'm, that's it. You can get out. What? Get out of the vehicle right now. You can't. You can't do this to me. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a co-host. Oh, you're nobody. Just get out. I, well, I, what about the podcast? We were going to do it together. Yeah, I'll find somebody else. It's fine. You, you care about this car more than the podcast. That's not true. But I need you to get it out anyway. Just get out. I'll. We'll talk later. You know what? Fine. I'm. I'm done with this. This is enough. Mm, sure. Uh, Jezebel, do your thing. Jar, what are you doing? Peace at last. And <laughs> all right. That'll do. <laughs> you oh, had to do uh, do a little reverse, like a boom, boom, and then <laughs> reverse and <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> that ought to do it. Yeah. Oh, oh well, that was right. that was fun. <clears throat> yeah, for you. <laughs> I took out a lot of frustrations there. Oh, yeah. Hey, Matt. Uh, do you know what tonight is? What is tonight? Now, when we release this episode, it won't quite be October, but close enough, and I'm going to call it the start of Shocktober. Oh, I like say it. You. I'm with it. Let's do it. All right, cool. And I have the perfect start to this episode. Do you want to hear it? Uh, I cannot wait. All right, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. So that had to have been a clip of you watching Salem's Lot 
when the guy's like, <laughs> look at me, teacher. <laughs> uh, I love that Vincent Price laugh. Oh, it's so good. Whenever I hear it, I'm like, that's Halloween. Or that's October. <laughs> Uh, on tonight's episode, we're going to be reviewing the 1983 horror thriller, Christine, starring Keith Gordon, directed by John Carpenter. And this is a King's Journey episode, by the way. So this is a b- movie based on a Stephen King novel. It is a blue movie. <laughs> That's how you know it's good. Oh, it's yeah. It's a blue movie. <laughs> Directed by John Bla Carpenter. <laughs> uh, this is a spoiler podcast. So if you've never seen this movie and you don't want to be spoiled, pause this episode, go watch the movie, and then come back. Stay tuned until the end of the episode where we reveal what our next movie will be so you can follow along with us. If you would like to get in touch with us or give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or give us your take on a movie at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. If you would like to support us monetarily and have the means to do so, you can go to anchor.fm slash cinemamenpodcast slash support. We use that money to improve the quality of the podcast. So in advance, thank you very much. And before we get started, we should probably recap our King's Journey movies so far. Yes, in order. It's fresh in our mind. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, we are in the process of trying to watch every single Stephen King movie adaptation that has been made in the order they were released. Uh, We also, at the end of each of these episodes, rank the one we have just watched in a list with the goal being a list of the best and the worst Stephen King movies that have been created, according to our non-professional opinion. Which is very highly regarded. (laughs) At least by us, yes. Yeah. So, the list is, at number one, still reigning champion, The Shining. One of the greatest horror movies ever made and will likely not be dethroned. I'm calling it now. You keep saying that. We'll, we shall see. Then that's what I always say. We shall see. Uh, at numero dos, we have Carrie. Another good Stephen King movie. Yep. Not bad. Except for the twirly camera scene. Yep. Number three, The Dead Zone, which mm. I think, I, from what I remember, it was a very shocking one for me as far as your review because... I didn't think you would like it that much. Yeah, surprise entry. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, at number four, we have Creep Show, which is a unique uh, anthology type I mean, movie. Leslie Nielsen in a horror film. Mm-hmm. Number five, Cujo, which I liked a lot. Um, I don't think you liked as much. Mm-mm. It was okay. Right. And last, but definitely least, Salem's Lot, the three and a half, four hour miniseries TV or movie split into two. Yeah. Which we watched in one slog. Yes. Yeah. Wasn't definitely last place. Yeah. So that's, that's our list so far. And we're about to see where Christine fits into this list. 
I'm excited. So why don't, yeah. Why don't we get started with our review of Christine? She is seductive. She is passionate. She is possessive. She is pure. Evil. She is Christine. A 1958 Plymouth Fury, possessed by hell. Her previous owner is not alive to warn her present one. Once she lures you behind the wheel, you will be hers, body and soul. There is no place you can hide, no place you can run, and nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine. Body by Plymouth. Soul by Satan. That was a trailer of the movie Christine. You know, and- I was really kind of enjoying that. It was almost a radio trailer until that uh-huh. last tagline. Oh, that's a great tagline. Body by Plymouth, soul, soul by, Satan. by Satan. Oh, my uh, gosh. And I would encourage anybody to go out there and watch that trailer because it's just like a car commercial, uh, <laughs> except it's a movie trailer. <laughs> uh, it's pretty awesome, actually. <clears throat> uh, reading the plot synopsis from imdb.com. A nerdish boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own and his nature starts to change to reflect it. All right. Well, that's you wanting more. Yeah. Also nerdish. My gosh, that kid <laughs> starts the movie as the poster boy for nerd. He's nerdish for sure. <clears throat> so Matt, you picked this one. This is a, like we said, it's another Stephen King movie. Uh, what were your thoughts on the plot of Christine? Oh, did you read the book? That's probably our first question. I have not read this book. Okay. Super interested to hear what you think then. Okay. Well, I'm super happy to tell you. <laughs> good. So, uh, plot. I thought the plot was good. It's unique. Um, you know, there's not a lot of movies out there about kids who buy cars and then get possessed by them and start killing everybody off. Um, yeah. So, it gets unique points for that. Um. It's uh, it's got a few holes in it that I didn't understand. And I'm going to I'm going to cover some of those because I want to see what you have to say about them, because um, mm-hmm. I think you have read the book, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, we'll start with we'll start with the good stuff, though. Um, like I said, it's a unique plot. It's interesting uh, all throughout the film. I was interested in the story. Um, I had a lot of questions. Uh, some were good questions. Some I think were bad questions that I wish the movie had told me, but didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, questions keep me interested. So in general, I think that's a good thing. Um, I think it's neat how the movie draws sort of a parallel to the, uh, maybe not as much now as it used to be, but, um, the teenage, um, obsession with cars, you know, when right. you, you turn 16, you want that car, you've got to have it. And you, you know, if you're not fortunate enough to have uh, one provided to you, you have to get a job and save up and you buy your car 
And a lot of times it's an old crapper and, you know, you do what you can to, to make it look nice. And they really take that as an obsession and turn it into a horror movie in a really fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really, really enjoyed the plot in general. Um, it, it's a slasher, but it's a slasher where the killer is a 1950s Plymouth. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, yeah. as a concept, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. But in practice, it really worked, in my opinion. I, I thought it was great. I, I really liked the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, I want to get into some of these questions because I had a few. And I'm curious uh, what you have to say on some of these. Okay. Right, well, ready? Me, yeah. Okay. Let go me ahead. go ahead and do mine and then, then we'll get to that because I have some thoughts on what you just said. Okay. <laughs> I also will mention um, also but before I wrap up the, the general plot overview. Uh, the characters were good. Um, they did a good job, in my opinion, kind of portraying a high school. Um, it, it felt kind of like a smaller town high school because that's what I'm from. And that may have just been me relating my experience to the film. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, you definitely have your cliches. You've got your jocks. You've got your, um, you know, kind of your shop class guys, which at my school would have been more of an agriculture FFA type thing. Uh, you've mm-hmm. got the nerdy kids, you've got the kids who are just kind of there and, you know, are there because they have to be and don't necessarily fit in with anyone. Uh, you've got the rough kids, the nice kids, like they do a good job representing everybody and not doing it as a parody, um, which I appreciated. Uh, I felt like at least a little bit I could relate to almost every character in the film, which uh, was, is definitely pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of roles represented, so. Um, I do want to call that out as well, as far as plot. For sure. Um, I just wanted to to give my overall thoughts before you got into your questions, because okay. um, okay. I did have some some comments. I do agree that this the movie, the things this movie does well is get you into that teenage angst, teenage like. Uh, transition period, you know, a, a nerdy kid that gets picked on all the time and thinks he's ugly and doesn't have a girlfriend, uh, kind of that uh, transition from that to someone who uh, is almost 180 degree difference uh, in personality, um, kind of a almost a wish fulfillment kind of thing, but in a, in a really bad way. Cause this is a, a, a horror movie. Um, but I, I did enjoy that part of it. Um, the obsession with cars definitely hits home. I had the same kind of obsession and uh, maybe not to that extent, but I, I wanted a car. I wanted to be able to go drive around and, and do things. Every single kid in this movie apparently has awesome cars. That's a little Man, unrealistic. They really do. <laughs> Yeah, from like a Dodge Charger to the Plymouth Fury to I think there was may have been a Mustang in there or a Camaro. Um, really slick looking cars. Um, I think uh, this movie is fun. The plot is fun, but it gets nonsensical in a lot of places. Um, and I don't feel like they set up the reason why Christine was evil very well. It didn't make a lot of sense. 
and I feel like if you haven't read the book, you might be confused in some areas. And that's why I wanted to say that because you, you said you had questions. So um, I uh, definitely was confused in some areas. Yeah. Uh, but the plot over it overall is fairly simple. Like you've got a kid, he buys a car, he gets it fixed up. He gets obsessed. He becomes a totally different person and then starts enacting revenge on the people that have done him wrong. Uh, that's essentially it. Does he uh, though? No, does he? Cause I mean, the car does it in some cases. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah, just yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. Through him, I guess, uh, in some, sometimes, but, uh, and it, I, this is supposed to be a horror film. Uh, and there were some kills and conceptually it's a horror film, but I was not scared ever. Mm -hmm. And it's not really, there wasn't any enough tense tension filled moments there for me to be like, Oh, you know, this is a, it's a horror movie. Um, it's only a horror movie and because of its source material and a few kills, I guess. And the, supernatural elements of Christine being a possessed automobile. Right. Um, but that's, that's my overall thoughts. I thought it was fun, a, a decent plot. Uh, but also I had the advantage of reading the book. And so I, it's hard for me to gauge whether or not it did its due diligence in making sense because I could fill in a lot of holes. Hmm. So that being said, what questions do you have? All right. So the first one you've already hit on, and that is, uh, what exactly is Christine? I mean, right. we, we the, the opening scene of the movie, we see the car being built, and then mm -hmm. we see it crush a guy's hand, and then it just starts killing people. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all yep. we've got. Why? Mm -hmm. Why is Christine killing people? Why is it like what's made this one car? turn into this evil monster. There's nothing that tells us that we don't no, know what it is. We don't know who's possessed it. If we don't even know if it is possessed, maybe it's its own entity, but why, what happened to make it that way? Nothing. Mm -hmm. you know? I feel like that's a huge plot hole in this movie. Um, and one that I wanted answered, uh, but we didn't really get the answer. Uh, but in the book, the car doesn't, Come possessed until uh, LeBay, uh, who is the first owner who actually bought the car, he ends up dying in the car. And the car is now possessed by his spirit. And he was known to be a very mean man. Mm. Um, and you'll notice in the movie, uh, Arnie keeps, keeps saying the word shitters. Mm -hmm. And that's a word that LeBay would use all the time. And so that's supposed to invoke that he's being possessed by this man, um, hmm. which isn't really described or detailed very well in the movie. Understandably, because this was the eighties, early eighties and uh, Arnie kind of has a romantic relationship with this car to an yeah. extent. Mm -hmm. So I could see, uh, you know, getting involved in a romantic relationship within old dead man being somewhat <laughs> problematic in the early eighties. I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> well, nowadays, maybe not but, uh, in the eighties. In the there would have been plenty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so that that's I had the same All issue. Right. So that was question number one. Uh, question number two: the relationship between Arnie and his best friend Dennis is never mm-hmm. explained, and I feel like that needed some explanation. Arnie at the beginning of this film is like the nerdiest. He's like Steve Urkel nerd levels, right? Like he's mm-hmm. super nerdy. He's falling and splashing around and he's clumsy and he's got his glasses and you know, Dennis is the polar opposite. He's like the popular athletic guy that's good looking and has all the ladies and they're best friends. Mm-hmm. And there's no explanation as to why they're best friends. They're just best friends. Um, right. I thought that was odd. How did that relationship happen? What's the backstory between them? Like, did they grow up together? Did they live next to each other? Like, there's no explanation. Yep. Again, I had the same thought. (laughs) Uh, You were saying that, you know, all the stereotypical people are represented in this movie. Mm -hmm. But that's one that doesn't really, I mean, it exists. Like, I personally, like, I, I was on the basketball team. But also, I was a nerd. Like, yeah, uh, I wasn't like a, a weakling that you know couldn't stand up for himself. But I, I kind of skirted both lines of groups, you know. Um, but in this movie, it's like he's a, like you said, he's the jock, he's the star running back, or whatever he is on the football team. He's being pined after by the girls, but he's got this friend over here who can't make it through school without getting picked on or his lunch taken or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it's been a while since I've read the book. I don't remember exactly if they described what, how that relationship happened, but I seem to recall it was something about like, yeah, childhood friends. Um, They just grew up together. And so they kind of just naturally continued their friendship into high school. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't have taken much effort to let us know that in the movie. You know, um, as it is, you just kind of have to take it at face value, which is okay, but it feels forced instead of natural. Whereas, you know, Mm -hmm. one line of dialogue could have changed that, I think. Yep. All right. uh, Next up. How on earth did Dennis learn how to drive a bulldozer like that? (laughs) He was pulling off bulldozer moves that pros can't do. Like, Like when he's crushing Christine, he like uses the scoop to lift his track up so he can get better leverage and elevation and then pull himself up using the claw. Like that's some high level operation. And he just hops in this thing and goes, right. How did Mm -hmm. he learn how to do that? (laughs) Again, I had the same thought. (laughs) Um, And this wasn't, this was also not explained in the book either. Um, The scenes drug out more. Uh, and they go into a lot of detail about how hard it is for him to push the pedal down because his leg's broken mm-hmm. and he's in extreme pain trying to move this thing. Um, but also in the book, he's not operating a front end loader. He's operating a um, tanker truck or something. Mm. It's not a, it's just yeah, a truck. It's a, uh, Petunia. Petunia. Yes. I did some research. That's why. I'm awesome. Doing. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about Petunia. Yeah, but it was it was a tanker truck. Um, so that in the book it didn't make didn't matter. I mean, if you could, well, I guess he probably couldn't drive a big truck either. But anyway, it was less more believable in in the movie uh, in the book. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Next up, 
good friend Darnell, the guy who runs the good old uh, Darnell, yeah. the garage that they allow Arnie to fix Christine in. Mm-hmm. Uh, near the end of the film, Christine kills Darnell. Mm-hmm. Why? You would think Christine would like Darnell. Like she allowed Darnell is the reason she got fixed and she had a place to stay. And you would think Christine would be friends with Darnell. But mm-hmm. now she just kills him and there's no explanation for why. All he does is sit in her and she kills him. It's pure evil. Pure evil, man. Soul of <laughs> Satan. Well, the body of Plymouth and the soul of Satan. <laughs> the floor or whatever this guy's name is, right? Like, I don't know. That didn't make any sense to me. I didn't think Christine should have killed Darnell. Mm. It did, like, there was no reason for her to be angry at him. Yeah. I think she, <clears throat> I think she also kills him in the book, but not in that way, I don't believe. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, but. In, the, in the research I did, they said that she kills him in his house by like yes. causing his heart to fail and then running him over under like at the foot of some stairs or something. Mm-hmm. But once again, uh, another heart attack instance in a Stephen King novel. Mm. Surprise. <laughs> I just feel like, mm. I don't know. I feel like we needed an explanation. Like Darnell should have done something to slight Christine and then she killed him, you know, because that's what yeah. we've seen. It's, Christine doesn't kill people unless they do something to her or to Arnie, right? <clears throat> yeah, the only thing I can think of is he wasn't necessarily that kind to Arnie. Like, he he always saw him as a little punk kid, and yeah. he uh, made him do menial tasks to raid his uh, junkyard. It's uh, a fair trade, I would think. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. I think so, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right, and, I, and I've got one more, and then I'll get off of the, the question stuff. But this is one I didn't understand at all. Okay? There were two instances, one we see on film and one that we hear about, in which Christine causes someone to choke to death inside of her. The main mm-hmm. scene we see is at the drive-in when she tries to kill Leah. Mm-hmm. How on earth is she making someone choke Oh, is that your question? <laughs> That's my question. Yeah, like, like it's a car. Like I understand running over people or locking them inside, playing the radio, flashing lights. But mm-hmm. how do you make someone choke? There's no explanation of that. And yeah. it said that we, we watched it happen to Leah. And I think they said that the daughter of the owner choked in the car. Mm-hmm. And that no, no explanation given whatsoever. Yep. Uh I think once again, if they had explained that the car was possessed by a particular person, maybe you could explain that it's a spirit or something that's part of the car that's doing something to choke the person or, you know, but again, they don't, they, they mention this brother. They mentioned that he was really mean. They mentioned that he owned the car and then he died in it and his wife died in it and his daughter died in it, but they don't ever go out and say like he is, you know, if you buy this car, you become the embodiment of that person. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more like you just start to change personalities for the worse, but no, no specific person. Yeah. I think that it would have been better if they had gone that route. I think. 
So, yeah, that, that's the end of my questions. And, and again, just to summarize, I thought the plot was great. Um, I really was. I was interested throughout the entire film. Um, eyes glued to it, wondering what was going to happen next. I've seen this movie before, but it's been a very long time and I didn't remember it. And so mm -hmm. it's been long enough that it felt new to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really was sucked into this movie, which is always a good sign of a great plot. So um, all in all, I loved it. I just felt like there were a lot of unanswered questions and that did kind of bug me a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I, I gave it a negative scores is if you, if you go into this movie cold, you could, very well be confused. And I, even I was, and I've seen, I've read the book. Um, so it's, eh, you know, it's not great, but I will agree. It's, it's entertaining. Oh, it's I also to want to mention, they do a pretty neat trick where they black out the windows of Christine whenever mm -hmm. she goes on these murder rampages. And mm -hmm. the result is you never know if anyone's driving her or not. Um, yeah. I don't know if Good that's touch. in the book or not, but it's really cool effect in the movie. Is you yeah. just you can't see anything but blackness behind the windows, and it it does make it a lot more ominous. And I think mm -hmm. that was a really cool, uh, really cool move from John Carpenter. I agree. Yeah, and in the book, they kind of just describe, you know, Arnie doesn't know anything about what's going on, and you have to decide if you believe that or if uh, or not. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. This isn't necessarily plot related, or maybe it is, but do we have the uh, uh, a garage anymore? Like, is that a thing where you go? I'm uh, your... not aware of one. Because that, it probably wouldn't work in today's society because no one wants to learn how to do anything. But I think you'd be then, surprised. I think it would work. Yeah, I feel like that would be awesome to be able I to go. And rent yeah. a spot. I've never heard of anything like that before until this movie. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really a cool idea. Just an old scrapyard with garage space. You can pay to park your car in there and then you can raid the junk pile and, and fix your car up. I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. that, that does lead me to a couple other questions, by the way. So sorry. <laughs> um, one, and this, this is an okay one. I'm okay with this question because I like not knowing necessarily. But Arnie gets possessed by Christine or influenced by Christine. Like it's never really explained. Like Arnie just starts changing from this nerd into this douchey cool kid. Mm -hmm. That's really mean. And they never explain why or how. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, I think we've already kind of addressed that in that, you know, it's the spirit he's being corrupted by it. But um, I wish we had more information there. You know, maybe a little more of the, the transition from nerd to mean dude. It, it kind of just happens, um, mm -hmm. which there's a lot of time skips in this film, which might explain right. some of that. But um, that kind of bugged me a little bit. And then I'll oh, go ahead. If this movie was done in a different way, I feel like that would have been an advantage. Like, it, is there actually a possessed car or is he just tired of being the nerd and he wants to change his image and he'll do yeah. whatever whatever he has to do to to make that happen i think that could have been a really cool angle to take and you're yeah. right the, the way this movie's done leaves no question he 100 percent was being possessed or influenced or controlled by the car but mm -hmm. it would have been really cool to explore kind of him just going off the deep end mentally 
and him to actually just like, you know, have that open question. Is Christine really this evil thing or is he just going off his rocker? Yeah. I think that would have been a really interesting angle for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then one last question, and this could be explained by the magical all encompassing Christine power. But um, in the beginning of the film, we see him in shop class and he's just now taking shop class for the first time, meaning that, you know, his skill is going to be mostly academic. He's smart kid. He's a nerd. Right. And so he starts fixing this car all by himself and he restores it from a hunk of junk to pristine all by himself with no training, no internet, no YouTube videos. He just fixes it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no explanation as to how he learns how to do this or how he does it. He just does it. He doesn't have mm-hmm. help, nothing. Um, yep. and so, I mean, I guess that could be Christine kind of telling him what to do maybe because they do, they constantly comment on how good he is with his hands and how he's doing great work on this car. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that kind of bothered me. You know, with no explanation, it just looks like he's just a natural talent with cars who knows how to do everything with them without ever being taught or going to school or classes or anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was there with that as well. Um, There's a throwaway line that happens at the beginning uh, by Dennis. He says, uh, you know, something about a car and Dennis is like, yeah, you could could fix up any car or something. Like he already has that talent. But still, we don't know where or why or how. Um, Some kind of explanation would have been nice. Yeah. Or show him show him working on another car before he gets Christine. And Mm -hmm. that way we would know, oh, he's he's at least picked this up from somewhere. Maybe his dad or uh, a grandfather or something. Right. Um, But no, we don't we don't get any of that. (laughs) All right. I'm really I'm done with the questions now. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I don't have too much else. I just, uh, I think this could have been a better movie. Um, is my summary is that I, I think the plot could have been better, even though it was fun to watch and uh, and interesting to watch. It mm-hmm. it could have been better. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I think to be fair, you could probably say that about anything. But uh, <laughs> well, in, in, I, I see what you mean, right? I, I'm not were, trying to take away from what you're saying. Yeah, um, there, there were enough holes and questions that I that I consider that a detriment. Yeah, I, and I definitely think this movie could have been. Um, really, I think it had the potential to be as good as The Shining. Um, you know, if it was done correctly. Um, not to say that it was done bad. I just think if it had been a little different, it could have been really up up there. Yeah. Um, but you know, that aside, I think it was good anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how about the acting? Uh, there were, there were some notable actors in this movie. Uh, some people you may recognize some people you may not. Uh, but what did you think of the acting? Uh, I thought it was good all around. Um, I didn't see any particularly poor performances, um, a lot of times in Stephen King films, there's at least one dopey character, you know, that's just acting the fool for no reason. And there wasn't really much of that in here. There was a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, Keith Gordon, uh, absolutely incredible in this movie. 
Um, I think he could have had a little bit better chance to shine had we seen more of the transition of Arnie from, you know, nerd to what he becomes in the end. Um, mm -hmm. But he, he didn't get that opportunity. Uh, that said, he switches gears very well. Um, he goes from this nerdy guy to this imposing kind of creepy douchebag. Um, and he does it really well. Uh, I, I think he did a great job. Um, yeah, he, he kind of pulls a Spider-Man 3 in this movie, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he just kind of goes from good guy to bad guy, just <laughs> like that. You know, he, he put on the, the symbiote Venom suit or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, love that dude. He was great as always in this movie. He plays the FBI agent, uh, or the I guess the cop. I don't know if he was FBI. I think he was just a cop and mm -hmm. detective. Uh, Robert Prosky, I thought did really good playing Darnell. Mm -hmm. Um, he was the kind of cartoony character though. Um, he was over the top mean in the beginning, which is somewhat understandable because, you know, he's letting this kid in here kind of as a charity case and he's making sure to lay down the law. Uh, he, but you know, he, he's a little over the, over the top, little overacted, but for the most part, I thought he did well. Um, also William Ostrander, Ostrander, yeah, Ostrander, however you say that, Ostrander, I'm going with that. He did mm -hmm. really well as Buddy, um, and his stooge, uh, Moochie, who was played by Malcolm Denare, Denare, uh, mm -hmm. they both, I think they both did a really good job in this as well. Um, so honestly, the, the only thing I've got to say, and that's kind of nitpicky, and that is that I felt like Robert Prosky overacted just a little bit. But not enough that it was a detriment. Like it, it fit okay. I feel like, um, so yeah, good. Uh, really, nothing bad to say at all, honestly. Hmm. Uh, I won't be as charitable with the acting. Um, I think Keith Gordon did a great job. Um, good transition from this nerdy guy to uh, a not nerdy guy. <laughs> uh, to a psychopath, maybe. Um, it's. I feel like it would be hard to pull something like that off. And every time I see it in a movie where someone goes from a complete 180 from where they were is, is always interesting to watch, if it's done well. Um, Robert Prosky, I also thought, was pretty good for not having very much screen time. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he had two or three scenes, and that was it. Um but he's he definitely becomes a memorable character in the movie. Um, I thought William Ostrander was a little overacted. Um, this muscle bound bully in high school looks like he's probably thirty, <laughs> and he like he's too evil, like. I, I get it that some kids were, were bullies and were mean. Uh but he was murderous. Like he Yeah. He acted like he I would have no problem stabbing Arnie with a switchblade knife. And it's he, like he kinda reminds me of that kid in it, you know. Yeah. Uh, the bully that is just I mean goes beyond bully, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know there are people like that out there. I'm not saying they don't exist. I, it's just yeah. I guess I would have. It would have been more believable if he was just a bully. Um, 
Well, here's a question for you. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, an actor that you and I both know well applied to play this role. And I want to know what you think about it. Because I think okay. it could have worked, but I'm curious what you think. Nick Cage tried for <laughs> that role. Oh, I think it would have been a young Nick Cage. Yeah. I think he would have, it would have been too silly. Like he wouldn't have been believable as a bully. Mm. But maybe, maybe so. I think I could see it working. Because Robert or William Ostrander is pretty muscle bound. Like he's, he looks the part for sure. Like he looks, he He looks somebody. Uh, Nick Cage, eh. (laughs) When he was younger, he didn't necessarily look like very intimidating. Uh, but maybe, maybe he could do it. <clears throat> um, the rest of the cast is is fine. Uh, there's a Stephen Tosh who is another one of the bullies. Mm-hmm. He was uh, featured very, very, very briefly in Ghostbusters. He was the guy that kept getting shocked with the oh, electro really? machine in the beginning. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. He spits, spits his gum out of his mouth. <laughs> Uh, so I like seeing him in there. Um, Roberts Blossom, who played LeBay. I'm pretty sure that was the old man from Home Alone. Um, I didn't look this up. Yep, that's him. Um, so he was he was neat. He had this like uh, back brace that he was wearing the whole time, and he looked like he was a little worse for wear. Um, but I like the visuals of a lot of the characters. Uh, the acting was mostly okay. I guess that's my my summary. I got you. <clears throat> uh, um, any other comments in acting? Uh, no, I think I've said most of it. Uh, it looks like I liked it more than you did. Um, and it is it is entirely possible that I got plot blinded. Um, which is a real thing, you know, where I get so into the story that I just don't notice bad acting. Um, Cause I really did get sucked into the story. Yeah. Um, but to me, I didn't, I didn't notice anything really. So I was okay with it. I do agree with you that buddy was a little over the top as well. Um, but given the limited amount of screen time he had, I think he kind of had to do that so that we could know how bad he really was. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't really get the opportunity to have any development. He was just bad, and you know, here he is. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I wouldn't say there was any terrible acting in this. Um, it just there were a couple of standouts, and then the rest were mm, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, art direction, cinematography, and visual effects. Um, what do you got for this? I, I feel like this was probably my favorite category. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it was extremely good. Uh, the cinematography, and eh, nothing to write home about. It, the cinematography was acceptable, but nothing outstanding. Um, but what I want to really talk about in this category is those visual effects. Um you know, everything in this movie is practical. There's no CG at this point in time. 1983, it's, uh, you know, pretty uh, cutting edge and looks terrible. <laughs> um, and there's none here. Uh, there were 
lots of car crashes that were amazing. Uh, I want to throw a shout out, a shout out to the sound design because the, the sound of the cars crashing and scraping of metal sounded outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see the car crash. You get to see the car heal. Um, some of those scenes are amazing to watch. And I mean, it's obvious that what they're doing is crushing that car and then playing the footage in reverse, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It looks amazing regardless of that, you know, seeing yeah. this car heal itself right in front of you. There was only one exception and that was when it was fixing the broken glass. I think they should have not shown that because then it was <laughs> obvious that it was reversed. Right. But <laughs> seeing the car almost inflate like a balloon as the dents pop out and uncrumple and come back to just pristine form. Amazing to see that. Um, I also want to call out the scene where Christine crashes into the gas station and catches on fire and winds up chasing Billy uh, down this road while it's just this blazing ball of fire. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. That scene is incredible. It looks great today. It is just mm, chef's kiss. That is such a cool scene. Seeing this old 50s Plymouth engulfed in flames, just slowly just putting behind this kid who's running for his life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, it was awesome. Um, Yeah, visual effects are just, man, they are the, uh, they're the jam on the bread that is this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, you stole a lot of my comments cause I have some of the same ones, but, uh, that the visuals of the car itself of Christine is, is really why you come to this movie, uh, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Um, they did it really well. Um, I, I, I don't usually call out editing, film editing, but I feel like this movie was edited very well. Um, the transition between those effects and uh, there's a particular scene where uh, Christine is trying to crush a boy inside of a alleyway kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it just shoves its way through this space that it clearly oh, so can't good. fit. And it just seems so believable um, the way they edited it. Um, and yeah, that, that gas station scene I think I dropped my jaw literally like because after she runs over the gas pumps, they all explode. And I, I thought to myself that actually happened. Like they had to contain that fire after it happened. And all the, I thought about all the people behind the scenes that had to be ready in case that, that fire went haywire or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just, it was impressive. Um, that's, that's one of the better scenes of the movie. And yeah, seeing Christine on fire, (laughs) it's a, it's an interesting visual, um, for sure. Mm -hmm. All the other cars were awesome. We already mentioned this, but it seemed like all the main characters had awesome cars. Um, that was fun to watch. And, you know, there was some blood and, and gore, but there wasn't a whole lot of that. Um, it was mainly focused on the explosions, the fire and the, uh, visual effects with Christine, uh, the car, Mm -hmm. uh, at the end, there was a, a little bit with Arnie. He, he had gone like full Christine possession and his, he had like black circles under his eyes and he 
looked like he was near death. Um, so that that was interesting to see. <clears throat> and uh, you mentioned this already before, but that uh, effect of blacking out the windshields uh, gave that those scenes and kind of a you kind of questioned was there someone driving Christine or was it just her doing stuff on her own? And that, and that was that was really cool to see. But yeah, this this category wins hands down for me um, as far as the movie goes. Um, score. What are your thoughts so, on the score? The score, uh, I haven't looked this up, right? So I'm saying this blind. The score has got to be done by John Carpenter because I it sounds just like Halloween. I should have looked that up. But like, like it's <laughs> almost like you took Halloween and just did a little remix to it, and that's the song you got. Um, it's not as iconic and it's not as good, but it, it's got John Carpenter written all over it. I'd almost bet that he did it. Can you confirm? Yes, it looks like he did that with another person, a gentleman uh-huh. named <laughs> Alan, Alan Howarth. Oh, but he was also yeah. involved in the uh, Halloween series. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounds very similar. Um, yeah. And I know this is going to sound weird because I think Halloween is one of, if not the greatest horror themes of all time. But I didn't even notice it, honestly. Uh, the first time I really noticed the the score was when you played it for the intro to this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was okay. It fit well because I never thought, man, this is out of place. Uh, but nothing to write home about really either which is odd because it's so similar to Halloween and I hold that in such high regard, but it's just kind of how it's falling. Now that said, uh, I want to skip for the score and I want to talk about the soundtrack, um, which is outstanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of old fifties tunes. They take these happy sounding, innocent songs and make them creepy. Um, They, you know, Christine uses the radio to communicate with the humans and uh, the soundtrack, I thought, was just amazing. Um, score, man, soundtrack, woof, awesome. <laughs> That's how woof. I'm coming in. <laughs> you got like great balls of fire, and, you know, just mm-hmm. bad to the bone. Not great balls of fire, bad to the bone is what I meant to say. Uh, there's some <laughs> stones in this. Uh, Beast of Burden plays. Uh, you know, uh, there's some little Richard in here. Uh, if the house is a knocking, don't bother knocking. It's uh, it's it's awesome. So yeah. uh, super high marks for the soundtrack. Um, okay marks for the score. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I thought the score. Uh, I had the same thought until I had to record the uh, intro, and I managed to listen to a few tracks from the score. And I don't know. It's pretty darn good. Uh, it's got that same like just over and over and over again that same rhythmic beat and then they'll mix in some synth and uh, I kind of for for younger viewers or people that haven't seen this movie or a lot of 80s stuff I would think like Stranger Things it has kind of a Stranger Things uh, vibe to it uh, the synth especially uh but it was it was pretty good. I, I I may go back and listen to all of it just to to see what I think. But 
I definitely agree on the soundtrack. Um, and I love the way they incorporated the songs to kind of convey what Christine was thinking or trying to say to the person that she was, uh, uh, trying to kill or, uh, bother. Um, there was one that you keep, uh, you keep a knocking, but you can't come in. Like that was one. Yep. Yeah. Um, just good stuff and a, a effective way to use that music rather than just play it on the radio for no apparent reason or just have it in the background. Uh, is there anything that you failed to mention that you'd like to mention? Um, I've got some, uh, some interesting little factoids, I guess I could bring up. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, we just mentioned the score sounding like Halloween, uh, John Carpenter being the director of both of those films. This, uh, this movie was shot in the same neighborhood that Halloween was shot in. Hmm. Uh, and so that really makes me want to, you know, watch them back to back and see if I can recognize houses or anything like that. I think that'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we talked about the cards. They, uh, they bought a total of 28 Plymouths. Uh, they used Belvedere's and Savoy's were the base model for the Plymouth Fury, uh, 28 cars they bought and they restored all of them. And then they absolutely destroyed all but two of them. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> That's yeah. really sad. Yep. Mm. Um, Arnie, there was a famous actor who was offered the role of Arnie, but did not take it. That being the uh, oh so connected Kevin Bacon, <laughs> who passed it up so that he could do Footloose. I think it would have been interesting to see Kevin Bacon in that role. I think he picked uh, a better better choice. Yeah, Footloose. he probably did pick the better movie. Footloose but, is uh, pretty well known. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. The, uh, the only other thing I've got is a fun little fact, and that is uh, Alexandra Paul, who is the actress who played Leia, or Leah. <clears throat> uh, she actually has a twin sister whose name is Caroline. And uh, you know the scene where uh, she is on the bulldozer with Dennis, right? Mm -hmm. And they're they're getting ready to attack Christine, and they're kind of going through the plan. Well, in that shot, uh, her sister Caroline actually went into cahoots with the makeup department and put on Alexandra's costume, got the makeup and hair done. And that's actually her twin sister in the bulldozer with Dennis in that scene. Huh. John, John Carpenter didn't find out about this until after the scene was done and he went <laughs> with it and they just kept it in there. Huh? Interesting. So they, they did a full on twin switch uh, for that one <laughs> scene, which I think is really kind of funny. So if you watch this movie, know that uh, that's actually her twin sister in the bulldozer. When you see that, that's wild. Uh, the only thing I really wanted to mention was that um, this was written during the time when Stephen King was kind of, uh, shall we say, coked out. Um, and he's famously known for not doing outlines of his, his uh, novels. And a lot of people will tell you that the novel is pretty nonsensical. Like it, it switches 
points of view randomly. Like he spends way too much time uh, in the football game scene um, and this and that. Uh, I still think it's a decent book, but after I read some reviews, I do think that some people had points that, you know, he, I don't know if, I don't know if he knew what he was doing when he was writing the book. Uh, but nevertheless, it went on to become, you know, a pretty well-known book of his. And, a, I mean, a lot of people that like horror movies know about Christine. So I, I think it worked out for him. But that's, that's all I wanted to mention. Um, so now we need to do some things. We need to rank this movie. Uh, within the other Stephen King movies, and we need to give our star ratings. Okay. So we should probably do our star ratings first, and then All right. then rank the movie. So go ahead. <clears throat> okay. My opinion of this movie is that it is underrated. Um, I saw this movie and had kind of forgotten about it. I saw it when I was young, and I don't know if I've even seen the whole thing all the way through before. Um, I got sucked into the plot. The visuals were great. Um, John's right in that it's not really that scary, uh, but it does have lots of good creepiness in it, I think. Um, and I really enjoyed it all in all. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie and you like Stephen King films, I recommend it. Um, definitely uh, underrated, in my opinion. So I'm going to come in at a 7 on this one. Um, although I'm tempted to give it an 8. I think I'm going to stick with seven though, because usually my gut is what I need to stick with. So uh, coming in with a solid seven on Christine. All right. Uh, so I watched this movie first after I read the book, um, because that's what I was doing at the time I was reading the book and then I would get the movie and watch it. And I remember liking it a lot more when I watched it back then. Uh, uh, after watching it just last night or two nights ago, um, I don't know if it's because I was trying to be more critical or what, but I, I just found more flaws with it. Um, and so I think, I think it's an entertaining movie. I didn't get bored. It wasn't a bad movie. Um, but I think there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't answered that if you haven't read the book, you probably would be confused about. Um, the movie is not scary. Um, I would have liked to see more, uh, horror elements or even supernatural elements. Uh, like there's a scene in the book where, um, a character in the car or maybe someone looks over and they see the like undead corpse of, uh, Roland LeBay in the car with them, like stuff like that. I probably would have been, appreciated more <clears throat> um the acting's fine uh there's some pretty good acting and then there's just some good acting uh the visual effects definitely keep this movie from being just average uh there's a lot of great things in this movie with regards to the visual effects and i thought the score was good and definitely the soundtrack was good um so i'm gonna give it a six out of ten so now <laughs> Uh, where does this fall in the Stephen King movies that we've reviewed so far? All right. I know for sure 
what the big debate's going to be on this. In okay. my opinion, I mm-hmm. think the question is, does it take the number three slot from the dead zone mm. or does it go under the dead zone in the number four slot? That is the question to me, I think. I think I agree with you um, with your proposition. It's uh, definitely better than Creepshow Cujo and Salem's Lot, but it's not I as good as that. Carrie. And it's not as good as The Shining. So how does it compare with The Dead Zone? And I think that answers our question. Yeah. So I'll tell you my opinion. And then we can, if yours is different, we can hash it out. But I think, I don't think it's as good as The Dead Zone. Okay. So what, what do you think? No explanation. Huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't think it's as good as The Dead Zone because... Uh, I think Christopher Walken did a better job in acting in that one. I think the concept and the entire plot was well-structured and more interesting. Um, It also wasn't necessarily scary, but it was also trying to do something else as far as, like, propose, like, what would happen if you could see the future and prevent things from happening. Like, there was a lot more thought-provoking stuff going on in that movie. Whereas in Christine, they sort of hint on it, but at the end of the day, it's about a car that's possessed and killing people. So if this was the Matt Hurdle personal Stephen King list, Mm -hmm. uh, I would have Christine in slot number three above the dead zone. Now, that said, you just made some good points, and I agree with you. So I think we can come to an agreement and say that Christine belongs in our number four slot. Okay. Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. There it is. It is done. It is set in stone. It cannot be changed because we can't edit a word document. Yeah. It is set (laughs) in our online word document. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Christine's at number four, right below the dead zone and right above Creep Show. It will be interesting to see uh, whether that stays there or not. Indeed. All right, let's do some. You know what it is? Spice Awards. Spice Awards. Uh, four categories: Best Actor. Most underrated performance, favorite scene, and the SALT Award. Matt, what do you have for best actor? I think there's only one choice for best actor. I almost guarantee that we have the same pick here. And so I am going to allow you to go first. All right. I went with uh, Keith Gordon as Arnie Cunningham. thousand dirty limericks. Ought to keep you busy for a while. This is the third time I've come by. Must be dynamite drugs or always asleep. 
doesn't quite kill the pain. You know, Rockbridge hasn't won a game since you got hurt. Guess that makes you some kind of hero, right? I tell you that I'm not gonna be playing football again. Ever. The doctor said that one, one centimeter more and I would have been paralyzed from the waist down. She just did some job on you. So what's this about, about you and Lee Cabot, huh? We like each other okay. Oh, oh Mr. Cool. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... It, it's... He's the main character. He has that huge arc, that huge transition that happens. Um, he pulls both off very well. Um, I agree with you. I don't think he had enough time to do that middle piece between half nerd, half whatever he ends up becoming. But for what what he does in the movie, I think he does a really good job. Um, there's no one else in this movie that does as good as he does. I agree 100%. Um, it's, I didn't even have to think. Like This, this yeah. is an obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good performance, and I know I've seen him in other things, um, but I can't think of any right now. Uh, <laughs> I was going to look it up, and I forgot. <clears throat> um, yeah, never mind. He was in the Fargo series. He was in a couple episodes of Dexter. Back to school. That's where I know him from. What back is to back school. to school? Oh, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, yep. Okay, okay. He is uh, Rodney Dangerfield's son in Back to School. Yeah. I I can't. That was really bothering me. I remember seeing him in other things, and I was like, "What have I seen him in?" And I couldn't could not bring that movie name, film name, out of my head and <laughs> onto my lips. Uh. All right. Most underrated performance. Surely we got something different for this. Oh, yeah. And I think I'm going to surprise you with this one. Okay. Are you ready? <clears throat> I gave it to William Ostrander as Buddy. <laughs> in here, pull a knife on you. Yeah. Empty your pockets, buddy. Fuck, I will. You can't make me. You mean I don't have the authority, you're wrong. If you mean I can't turn out your pockets... Yeah, try it, you little bald fucking. I'll knock you through the wall. Fuck! You two boys go up to the office. Stay there. Don't go anywhere else. You got enough trouble without that. Now, if you don't empty your pockets right now, I'm gonna call the cops. Go to the office, buddy. I'll fix you. You're gonna wish you were never fucking born. <laughs> okay. I honestly 100% did. He I'm gonna was, cut you. 
he was scary, <laughs> man. He was he menacing was and scary, and like I was intimidated by him. Um, you know, he he was crazy and nuts, but he was also just a scared kid when it when it came down to the to the what to the pen and whatever it comes down to. I don't know the curtail when it comes to the curtail. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I thought he did a great job. Uh, you know, he, he was a great bad guy. It was satisfying to watch him get scared and then to see his end. Um, but it was also a little sad because I, I felt a little bad for him. He didn't deserve that. I didn't think, but um, I don't know. He, he played a really good bad guy and I thought his performance was really well done. So mm-hmm. I gave it to him. He was menacing. I'll give you that. And he, I thought he was going to fight the teacher. I thought that was going to happen. It didn't. It did look like it. Yeah. Uh, I went with Robert Prosky as Darnell. You know, when I said you could scrounge through that shit pile out back, I didn't mean you could build your whole fucking car with my stuff. What do you care? I mean, you're not doing anything with it. Hey. Don't think you got the gold key to the crapper. Nobody takes advantage of me, you understand? Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for me, it cost you a whole shit pile full of dough to put this heap together. I know. I know. Mm. Look. I know you ain't exactly got money falling out of your asshole. You did, you wouldn't be here. Well, you know what's um, funny about that? What? I picked the one that you called out, and you picked <laughs> the one that I called out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, well, he might have been overacted also, but he was... Um, he seemed like this just cantankerous old man that didn't like young punks coming into his garage and messing with his stuff. And he had the double standards. He's like, there's no smoking in here. And then uh, Dennis was like, uh, sir, they're smoking over there in that table where they're playing cards. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, you want to get kicked out of here, punk? And it's like, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Like, I guess I enjoyed his performance because it was a little more comedic. Um, <clears throat> uh, he didn't have a lot of screen time, but he made made do with what he had and I, I thought he did a pretty good job and I agree uh, what a death scene being squished by a car mm-hmm. seat into the steering wheel that's that's not something you see every day uh, favorite scene uh, this was another easy one for me uh, without any question it was the scene where Christine is on fire and it's chasing down Buddy in the dark.
I haven't seen a visual like that really ever. And that scene will stick with me for a very long time. It is gorgeous. It's well shot. It's horrifying. It is amazing to see. Uh, even today, you could release that scene in a new movie and it would still be as awe-inspiring as it was then. Um, mm-hmm. Just, man, that scene's so good. Hands yeah. down, no questions asked. That's my favorite scene. Yeah, that that one's fantastic. That was probably my my number two, for sure. I I bet a lot of the budget ended up in that scene. That scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but I went with um, the scene where Christine rebuilds herself after the first time, or mm. the first time after uh, Buddy and his. Show me gang. what you can do. Yeah. After they poop on her dashboard and uh, destroy the engine and destroy the exterior and the interior and everything, uh, that that effect was very effective, uh, yeah. as they say. Um, yeah, for such a simple effect, it really looks incredible. Mm-hmm. And to see that translated onto something you can see after you've read it in a novel is also interesting. Um it's it's just so good. Um well, very well done and uh yeah, definitely a, a great scene. Okay. Last award, the salt award. What did you uh, not like? So what I picked for this is something I haven't mentioned yet. And it was something that kind of bugged me. It has to do with the ending of the movie. Okay. Christine gets ripped apart by the bulldozer, right? And that's the end of her. Mm-hmm. We see as the bulldozer is running over her that she's still trying to kind of heal and put herself back together. Mm-hmm. But the bulldozer puts an end to her, basically. Well, all of a sudden, after seeing the bulldozer crush this car, which is a great thing to see, it looks amazing too. We just all of a sudden cut and she's been crushed and she's in a cube. Mm-hmm. That bugged me. <laughs> How did they get Christine into a car crusher and crush her when she's constantly healing and they're all by themselves out here in this garage driving a bulldozer? Even an expert bulldozer driver such as uh, Dennis. <laughs> I think would have had issues trouble with that. They don't explain how it happens. It's just, you know, she's, she's down, she's trying to heal. And then she's a cube. 
and her radio still works somehow. Like eh, that really bothered me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, this is just my interpretation, but I think <clears throat> maybe she f- fed off of people <sighs> that were in her. Oh my! <laughs> this is a PG podcast, John. That's weird to say. <clears throat> um, but maybe she like if this was a video game, her her power levels would be all the way up here when Arnie was driving her around. But because she's been messed up so much, she has to use all this spiritual energy to regenerate herself, and so she doesn't have enough to to do it anymore. And so they were that's how they were able to take her and crush her into the compactor without her doing anything. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. (laughs) You know, I just, I wish they did give some kind of explanation because it's a very jarring cut. We're in the middle of the night, tension filled to all of a sudden, bright and daylight. And Christine's now a cube and that's (laughs) it. Right. Like they should have at least let us see her get crushed. You know, why not? Mm -hmm. But no, no such luck. Yep. Uh, so the thing I'm salty about is I really think this movie could have been a lot scarier and a lot creepier. Uh, I wanted to see a horror movie like a, a like there were enough deaths. That's fine. But just like maybe some undead passengers, some Mm. Creeping it a lot more creeping is interesting. Yeah, like something, uh, something that would have given ratcheted up the 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 shocktober factor. So it wasn't <laughs> scary little... enough for you. No. Yeah, mm. I, I get that. It really wasn't a very scary movie. It isn't. I think I may have been more creeped out by the book than the movie, and it should have been the other way around. Just because the movie is a visual medium and there's so much to do there. So much you could have done there. <clears throat> well, now I'm going to have to read the book. I recommend it. All right. So that's going to do it for tonight. I have n- am now going to announce the next movie. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Someone told a funny joke. <laughs> Vincent Price thought it was funny. Uh, um, I think we're going to watch, <clears throat> excuse me, the 1968 horror film Rosemary's Baby. Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Starring Mia Farrow, directed by Roman Polanski. <laughs> Polanski. <laughs> Oh, that movie creeps me out. It's good. The devil stuff always gets me creeped out. <laughs> Make sure to watch it at night. Mm-hmm. With no one around. <laughs> All right. That is going to do it for our episode tonight. We are going to be reviewing Rosemary's Baby, as I just mentioned. If you would love, if you would. We would love it if you subscribe to the Cinema Men podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
Head over to cinemamenpodcast.com to check out new and old episodes. We love to hear from listeners, so if you have a suggestion or want to give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. Thanks for listening. We got through her. Yeah. It is amazing.